Hello, and welcome to episode 51 of Man vs. Business. My name is Les James, and I am here with my co-host, Sean McManaman. This week, Sean and I are discussing the topic of quality documents, the different types, and the best practices. So with that, let's go ahead and start the show. So Sean, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Les. So this is a interesting setup. We're back in the same room again. Yeah, so I see how the dynamic goes now that we're not looking at each other over Skype. Yeah, Sean's normally in California, and, and uh, I call him up to get ready, and, and he goes, hey, I'm just around the corner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Guest appearance at the, at the uh, homestead. That's right. So uh, we thought today uh, we would kind of uh, get into uh, quality documents and kind of cover all the different style of quality documents, uh, maybe some best practices, things like that. And uh, uh, I think this is a good one for anyone and everyone to listen to. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I'm, I know we can't get too much into the detail on no. all these documents, but I think listing them, uh, their purpose, mm-hmm. and being rigorous of about following them, yeah. I think is the key areas that we should touch on today. Yeah, because there's nothing worse than having a document that nobody reads. That uh, yeah, exactly. that's that's the uh, nobody reads, nobody can find, or exactly. Stuff, you know? So I kind of think of these uh, these documents as being created in somewhat of a, a hierarchy, mm-hmm. with the the topmost document being the uh, policy statement, the the policy document. So that's where you want to start. So you know we're we're doing this based on quality documents. So this would be your quality policy, uh, which would uh, define you know what you're trying to do from a quality Mm -hmm. standpoint. Now, one of the things I learned with this document is that you really want to make sure that you um, highlight your key processes and set yourself some goals. Because quality policy, as much as people think it's a static document, it is not. Well, it shouldn't. Yeah, right. It shouldn't be because your quality process is always improving. Yeah, and get better. You should should have, yeah, like you said, those goals and and you know, the purpose of mm-hmm. what you're doing to create a, a program that meets the policy that you set. Yeah. So, you know, the, the quality policy is something you should review at least once a year, mm-hmm. making sure that it's still valid, uh, making sure you have good statements towards, uh, you know, key metrics, key uh, um, things that you're trying to strive for. Keep it short. You know, make it something people can remember. Right. You know, because one of the things during the audit, you know, I, in fact, I did some um, uh, review because we're getting ready to do some internal auditing. And I did some review with the guys and I was telling them that, uh, you know, here's a pile of, of basic questions you want to ask during any audit. And one of those is, can, um, you know, the person you're auditing, can that person, in their own words, describe what the quality policy says? And of course, most of the time they kind of, during a headlight look, right. you know, their eyes get wide all of a sudden. And, you know, so you definitely want to create a quality policy that uh, uh, people can latch on to, understand, that makes sense to them. Well, I think know. the key part there was in their own words. Mm-hmm. Because if they just repeat something that's written down, do they really understand it? So if yeah. they can recite it back in their own words, then then they do understand it. And you can gauge how much interest and investment they have in the the quality statement and then the policy as a whole based on how they respond to that question. Yeah. So the next document we have in our list, and, and again, we're, we're focused on quality documents is quality manual. And you want to make sure that this document, it's a 
forward-facing document. So it's the document that you're going to hand to a customer uh, that uh, they would read and be able to get a good feel of what you do in your environment from a, a quality standpoint. Um, you know, a, a quality manual, should every company have a quality manual? You know, I think if you produce something, if you produce something, especially something that that is consumed then by either another business or a a um, commercial customer, right? You should have you should have a quality manual. Yeah. What is it that you're producing? Yeah. And how? You know, and then of course, if you do have a quality manual, should you go? Should you try to strive for a certain certification? Um, should you mirror it after some sort of uh, predefined? You know, structure. Well, I what like arena do you play in? Right, things like that. Exactly, and I and I, I I like that idea. Whether you go for a certification or not, but to have a structure mm-hmm. that you and a go by as to as to what should be in it. Um, that to me, that's okay. You know, you don't have to have you don't have to have the uh, the certification, but at least if you, it's easier if you have a an outline to go by. Right, right. Um, and you and I have talked about this in the past that you don't need a six hundred page quality manual. No. Right. No. It's um, not everything and anything just blopped into a document. So remember at the beginning of this, I, I kind of said that we were going to kind of bring up some best practices. And the quality manual, the way you want to think about a quality manual is that when somebody reads it, they get, for lack of a better word, warm fuzzies that you, you know, kind of know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. That you've got some key things in place to, to uh, cover best practices. You know, so do you have a, a nonconformance? You know, you can quickly show and say yes. Uh, do you have some sort of corrective and preventive action? Do you have some sort of training? Right. But you don't. But you don't put the work instructions for all those things no. in the quality manual. No. You just describe it. You and, ba- then, and then link to where it goes or direct somebody to yeah, where it goes. Yeah. So the way I laid out my quality manual is I I hit some very uh, key points uh, that uh, cover. We happen to be going for the AS9100 standard, so it covers those key areas, and then within that, those key sections, um, it references the procedure, and that's what we're going to talk about next, but um, that's where you start creating that, that tiered structure. So, you know, if your quality manual is more than, you know, I don't know, 30 pages, that's, you need That's to, the number, yeah, 29 you, pages, keep yeah, it under 30. Yeah, <laughs> you need to start, you know, rethinking a little bit. Yeah. Um, in that you've probably got more detail in the quality manual than you need. Right. Um, and you should move it down to the procedure. Let the quality manual just give somebody the basics. Mm-hmm. So the next thing we had on here was procedures. And this, to me, is, is the meat. Yeah. You know, This is where you want to invest a lot of effort in making sure that you've clearly defined what are your key processes. And I think that that's one of the, the things that I learned um, about how I... I did it in a, you know, in the past, and then how I, uh, how I've done it this time around, and making sure that one, you're using a structure following some sort of standard, uh, but making sure that you're focused solely on what are your key processes. So in the in the one that I did, I wound up with I wound up with I believe twelve processes. So I've got one for management review. One for control of documents, one for uh, control of rec- or quality records, one for training. Mm-hmm. So three of those, four, all four of those are required per the standard that I'm going after. Then I have one for 
quote and order acceptance, one for design engineering, one for purchasing, one for production. Mm -hmm. And then I have one for uh, internal auditing, one for corrective and preventive actions. And that's it. Mm -hmm. So um, it covers, you know, the, the key areas of what's required by the standard and then our four key business processes. Yeah, what, yeah, what you need to do to get the product yeah. out. And then, and then I've got a, in, in fact, in the quality manual, I've got a nice diagram that kind of shows the interaction of those four key processes with the inputs and the outputs. So it shows, you know, quotation and order acceptance flows into design engineering, flows into procurement, flows into production. And then what are the key inputs and outputs to each of those? And then at the top and the bottom, it shows um, how training supports that, management review supports that, and then some of the outputs would be dealing with nonconformances, corrective and preventive action, and continuous improvement. Mm -hmm. You know, and it kind of shows kind of that circle. It's it's a nice neat package. You know, I I believe that uh, kind of shows. Uh, um, you know, how our business runs gives mm -hmm. people a good picture. Right. And it, it's something that an outside auditor can follow. Yeah. And everybody understands what they need to do to support the next yeah. step in the process. Sure. So then from procedures, again, in the procedures, you can reference work instructions and forms. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and I kind of think of work instructions and standard work as somewhat the same things. Um, you know, there's a lot of debate on, you know, work instructions in my mind, um, are intended to be user-based, individual user-based specific tasks. You know, um, they should be, you know, at the most, you know, three to five pages. Oh, long. Yeah. They, Hopefully you, not. If you're going over three pages, yeah. you need to start thinking about breaking it up even yeah. more. Well, yeah. One page. Description now, this is something that I know I've been through. How detailed do the work instructions yeah. get? And and to me, to me, it's the concept of how you of what you expect that input to be. Yeah. The basic idea of what your your activity is in the process needs to be to generate the output that's desired. Right. Okay. So to me, I don't know how you can spend three pages on that. You know, for most for most cases, um, because it's not a cookbook recipe of, you know, six, six minutes on this and two minutes, you know, moving this paper here and, you know, three quarter cups of milk, you yeah. know, it's, 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 Hey, get this in, use these tools, you know, the ERP system, Excel spreadsheet or whatever, use these tools and get an output. Well, and that's where a lot of people are starting to call that standard work. If you can, if, yeah, that's true. If you can squeeze it down to, mm -hmm. to something that, that's standard for whatever the process is. Yeah, right. then then you're right. Work instruction and standard work are synonymous. Very close. Yeah, they are very really close. Um, now, one of the things I learned in this area, we're kind of doing some creative things to reduce the number of work instructions. I know, again, in a formal life, our pendulum swung well, you know, the other direction, and we had work yeah. instructions for everything. And that's where you start to lose people. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that I've done this time around is um, – uh, like on forms, I've actually put the instructions on the form. So it's so, yeah. yeah. So yeah. if you have a form that you're supposed to use, whether it's electronic or whether it's you know a manual form because it's a, let's say a final inspection form, mm -hmm. on the back of that form is the instructions for using that form. Yeah, so I didn't write a work instruction on how to use yeah. that form. So you know, doing some creative things like that. 
Um, another thing we're doing is instead of writing work instructions in some cases, we're writing training material instead. Yeah. So that's kind of helped us out. Um, and, and, and training material, you can kind of... Yeah, so what's you, the difference? Well, I was just yeah. going to say, yeah. I'm not sure. I don't think there is a difference um, other than you've classified it uh, in a different way as to where you store your documents for your quality system. That's the only difference I can think of. But with it being training material, I don't have to necessarily track it the same way. I just have to, you see what I'm saying? Well, you know what I like? I like it as kind of as mar- little marketing. Mm-hmm. It's a little marketing in your business in that, in that you've got documentation to train your employees to do their job. You're just not stamping some some work instruction, step-by-step process. Here, psh, go do this. It's, it's a document that will, tra- will train them. And I guess if you look at it that way, by asking yourself, can we pull anybody with certain qualifications off the street or you know, out of a different department that maybe that's worked here, give them this training document, have them go through it, give them a, a once-over you know, on the equipment or whatever it is, and then can they do it? Then you'll know if that training document is is good to get the output that you need. Right, mm-hmm. and you know, and you and you get into a whole other scenario there as to, you know, collecting training material, developing training matrices by job title, um, you know, and so I'm starting to get to the point where I'm doing less work instructions and standard work and more putting it with the point of use and training material. Um, we do have a few work instructions in standard work, but you know, it's, well, uh, and they, they, they're the same, they can be the same document and it's how you, how you wrap it. And I think wrapping it in this day and age, the idea of training is very beneficial to the, to the employee's worth. Mm. Hey, I'm being trained. I'm being trained to do this rather than, oh, they just gave me this paperwork. I'm supposed to follow it. Right. You know, so it's, it, it, it can be the same thing. But and I'm not saying try to fool people, but but if you if you wrap it in, hey, I'm investing in you and training you to do this job, and here's the documentation for doing it, then I think it's better received than hey, here's okay, same thing. You buy a car. How many guys go and they read the owner's manual? <laughs> owner's manual is a training document. Train you how to operate it. Train you how to change the uh, the oil and do all that stuff. Unfortunately, there's no requirement before you get in the car and turn on the key and read that read well, that manual. Maybe there should be because driving over here, there's a couple of people that I think need to uh, have a lesson or two. Uh, I would agree with you. And, and I, I took deep breaths, especially the ones that had the phone out taking selfies as they were driving oh. in a Mercedes. Oh, my gosh. I know. Uh, anyway, we'll move on from that. I was going to say, yeah. we don't want to go down that path on the podcast. So then the last thing I had on the list, and actually there's one other item, but the the next item is uh, we talked about forms. So I think everybody needs to make sure they understand that first forms need to be controlled. But forms um, are the blank version. Records mm-hmm. is the form filled out. Yes. So, you know, Good I, point. I've got a lot of people that can get confused as to, well, what's a record and what's a form? Yeah. Okay, the form is... Is the is the template the base with no information? Mm-hmm. Once you write something on it, it's, it's now a record. Yeah. Now you've got to decide what records are important to your environment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, companies have a tendency for creating lots of forms. That is 
construed as waste. So there's an opportunity for you. You know, do you, do you need all the forms that you have? Do you need all the signatures that you have? Do you need, you know, you'll find in most companies there's a lot of bureaucracy in forms. Yes. So be careful. Be careful. There's no doubt. But I, I would say as you build a, a program, try to capture what you need, what mm-hmm. you believe you need, you and your team. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, you know, some one person deciding everything that's happening in the, in the uh, quality process. Right. So, but, but what you can do is you build what you think you need and then go through it and and lean out the process, Right. you know, because if you are, if you are pulling together what you think you need, it's based on what is happening now and you need to move people and the organization in relatively small steps from what they're doing now to a more improved process. Right. So it's okay, create it, but then, you know, make sure you always go back and try to lean things out after you see the big picture. Right. Just like any time I had to write a paper or anything like that for school or for whatever, I just blather on and just write and write <laughs> 10 pages. And it's, and it's always the case. It's always the case. And later on, as, as I got to graduate school, you were limited in create a, create a paper that's only two pages on this topic. Right. So you can blather on for 10 pages. And back in high school, when volume was, how you got your was grade. Key, yeah. 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 You know, writing 10 pages was tough, yeah. but now you can write 10 pages on something, but then, then pulling it down, improving it to a, a shorter, more concise document. That's where you gain the benefit. Imagine Sean and I being able to blather. Blather on. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. I've gone from writing to, yeah, speaking on a computer. <laughs> so the last one on here is, um, guidelines. And this is something that, you know, you, you definitely want to use sparingly, uh, but it's a, a it's a good tool for, you know, depending on the age of your environment and the, and the location you're at, guidelines can be very helpful. Um, so let's get an example. I kind of think, I think of guidelines as almost like a cheat sheet um, in that it tries to add some detail where you haven't been able to get some detail in yet. So they're really stopgap tools. Um, Are they unwritten rules? Somewhat. Okay. Yeah. So I, I, and I think we could we could debate this guidelines because I sure I even I even smirk a little bit because my one of my favorite lines out of uh, Pirates of the Caribbean or Caribbean, Caribbean however yeah. you say it. Mm-hmm. Hey, I grew up saying Caribbean, so anyway, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm that old, but. Um, when they talk about the pirate's code. Oh, yeah. yeah it's more like a guideline. So that means you, can, you don't have to follow it. So, parlay. Parlay, yeah, exactly. So I, one of my favorite lines because then, you know, Kira Knightley used it later yes, on, right? Yes, uh-huh. That's so, right. So, yeah, guidelines are, are kind of tough and unwritten rules are kind of tough. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I you can't be as strict to write everything in stone. And, well, and that's why I said you should use these sparingly. Well, yeah, and, and I don't understand what a guideline is. If a guideline I is something I kind of think of them as a stopgap. Because you can't get from – sometimes you can't get from A to B in a quick enough time. It could be a year before you get from here to where you need to be. So t- sometimes you need a little guideline to help your environment <laughs> move forward before you can get there okay. and then take the guideline away. All right. So you know, now you're getting into the, uh, the push the I believe button. <laughs> when I when I was when I was going to school and you couldn't figure it out and the, the, the teacher – and this was in a military class yeah. in the Navy – you know, if you didn't get it, he would have to move on, the professor, the teacher, and, right. and say, you know what, push the I believe button, you'll figure it out. So, so okay, I guess, I guess it's that. And you try to use those, yeah, definitely sparingly, mm-hmm. but it's also something that 
to me, you don't want to have workarounds. No. Okay? That's great. So, yeah. And you're right. They, they might actually wind up um, hurting you a little bit. Yeah. yeah. I, I kind of wouldn't. Yeah. Okay, maybe you should. But I have seen them. I have seen a lot of guidelines in a lot of environments. So, but then, but is it, so? But a guideline, I guess I I can't wrap my my brain around something that that is a guideline or considered a guideline. A guideline means you don't really have to do it. Just like the movie said, right? Well, but <laughs> then what's the point? If you don't really have to do it, what really should you do? Well, you really should do what you don't have written yet. Okay. See what I'm saying? So, see, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. It, it's it's the it's the fact that you haven't gone through all the the correct processes to get to a good process. So you kind of develop a stopgap right. or a guideline to kind of help you get through the day until you and your team can develop the right answer. Okay, so let me see how. Let me. This is how I I now understand this. Going back to what I said, you've got an Because your Pirates of the Caribbean was a great analogy. I love that movie. All of them. <laughs> Most of them, I should say. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, so you've got, a, you've got an existing business that has a workflow, and mm-hmm. people are doing what they're supposed to do. Okay. Okay, so I can understand a guideline as, hey, we are, we're, like I said, blathering away on procedures, work instructions, standard work, mm-hmm. checklists, forms, okay? And then when something pops up that you don't have written down, the guideline is okay. We'll do it. Do it the way you always have done it. Right. Okay. Yeah. That's fine. I can understand that. Yeah. And then, and then I had, and I don't know if you'd call this guidelines, but um, uh, like we've got one document where there are some things that we want to make sure we touch when uh, going through a large process, and this is a, a guideline for an engineer. So an engineer touch it. Touches it during the quote process, during the order acceptance process, during the design process, during the post process. And there's a few things that we want to make sure get done. And it's almost like this guidelines a little one-page cheat sheet so that he doesn't have to necessarily read and remember all these procedures that they're written in. And it's summarized on this one little sheet for him. They're not, And I think of them as non-formal. You know, they're not but numbered. The, but the thing is, do they skip? Do they skip the process that you have written down as the the the, the uh, process diagram, the uh, the uh, value map, and uh... no, they're not skipping it. No, they're just it, they're it's it's almost like a little cheat sheet that says you know hey at several points in the process you got a few things you got to make sure it gets done. Okay, so and be the, because the process is so long and you're touching it. Here, 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 and here. Do you want to read the order acceptance procedure? Do you want to read the engineering procedure, the production procedure? Here, I got a little sheet for you that takes this, 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 these key things, and and make sure that you get these done. And if you do, you are following the process. You're just not having to read all this stuff. I don't know. I, 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 mean, I see where you're coming from. That's, that's I agree. I, I, again, I, at the beginning of this, I said yeah. <laughs> it is is not necessarily a tool that I would recommend or use a lot of yes yeah, that's fine as long as you can measure then what is happening so you can find out if mm-hmm. corners are cut and then i would think at some point you'd want to get rid of it yeah you know what once and that's why i said earlier also it depends on the maturity level of your environment yeah. Yeah. you know uh if you're just not quite there yet why make that guy s- suffer because culturally he just is in a give up mode <laughs> because he's not he's not there yet right. you know 
okay, fire him. No. No. no see, no. that's not the answer. Yeah, right. You say, hey, here, look, here's a little guideline. This will get you through it, okay? Mm-hmm. And once you get it, I'm going to take that away because now you're starting to understand the bigger picture. Yeah, okay. See uh, what I'm saying? That's fine. Okay. You know, we, we try to help people. Well, that's true. You know, because, you know, we're, we're not all geniuses. No. That's, <laughs> yeah, and... and we want everybody to enjoy their jobs. So, right. Yeah, burying them with quality documents and exactly process improvement and all of that stuff is 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 something that we want the culture to evolve to. Exactly. You, like I said, you don't bury them. You don't you don't drop you know hundred pounds of concrete on yeah. top of them. For for me pounds. to expect all my guys to have read and understand all the procedures that I just listed off earlier. Yeah. Oh, okay. Not gonna happen. No, not they, tomorrow. They, I mean, half of them have been there for. 20 plus years yeah. without any procedures and have been creating work yeah. without any of it. Yeah. So and in their minds, they're going, what do well, I, I don't need this for? Exactly. You know, so. But they're not thinking of scalability and growth and. Exactly. And, and certificates. Exactly. And, yeah. they're, they're not seeing the bigger picture. Right. Of course, they are you, reminded. Yeah. Certificate gets you more work. More business, more yeah, work. That's yes. That's exactly right. So, and they're starting to see that. Okay. But, uh, but that's, that's, uh, I think the important thing is, is that what, what have you said? Oh, so many times on all of our shows, you got to communicate. Oh, you got to communicate it. You got to let people know why they're doing this. Mm -hmm. Why is it important? Uh, what are these procedures for? You know, we're a growing company and to be able to scale, you've got to start adding structure to your environment. And this quality documents is one of the largest areas where you've got to take that step on adding that structure, that framework. Right. Because it is the rock that you can, you can mm-hmm. grow off of yeah. Yeah, the foundation. So, uh, do we have any picks this week? No, other than, <laughs> other than the, uh, the rental car that I've been driving for the last two days. Very nice, uh, Ford Explorer I, LT. You know, I almost guessed that's what it was just by looking at your headlights when yeah, you drove up. Pretty, it, I'll yeah. tell you, Ford's have done. They've done well. That's yeah, nice. but have you ever gone on the lot to try and buy one? No, they're probably expensive. As can be. Yeah. I mean, they they are so just, proud of those just cars. Just rent them you can because <laughs> this, this is the uh, the limited with the leather and everything. It's kind of nice. So we hope that uh, everyone gets something out of this uh, discussion on quality documents. Uh, we will be back with everybody on our next topic next week. So take care. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Man vs. Business. Please note that neither Sean nor myself are business consultants. We just have a strong passion for discussing all things business. Please remember to visit sigmatree.co to see our other podcasts, our business ventures, and our blog. And by the way, you can also drop us a line from the message page. Again, thank you and have a good week.